those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress. The hate of men will pass and dictators die. And the power they took from the people will return to the people. And so long as men die, liberty will never perish. Soldiers, don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives, tell you what to do, what to think and what to feel, who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. You are not machines. You are not cattle. You are men. Welcome, everybody. This is Room Tone, the radio show that takes filmmaking's community to your ears. I'm Ruggero, your host. We're broadcasting from Ancillion Masculine Land here on 101.9 FM. And I said we just dive right into it. We dive right into it. Today, we're blessed by the company of Christina Willings and Brendan Yan. How are you guys doing today? Great, thanks. Awesome. All right. Welcome in. Beautiful day in Vancouver today with the sun is smiling at us. And we're all the three of us are smiling in here. And uh, it's a beautiful sun. We're going to have a lot of fun today. Let's uh, start with the most basic questions yet. They have so much depth. And that question is, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) In 30 seconds or less. Yes, Brandon's gesturing to me, so I'll start. Uh, who am I? I am, um, I'll start at the, the superficial layer. I'm a producer. I'm a writer-director. I'm Christina Willings. Uh, I am a filmmaker. Um, I'm an open-hearted human. I'm a lesbian. Um, I have a really varied history, and I, all of which leads me to where I am today, right here in the studio, and I'm so happy to be here with you. Wonderful. Brandon, how about you? Well, I'm Brandon. I am currently, again, superficial level, the education director uh, at Out on Screen. Uh, I run a program called Out in Schools. I am interested in human rights, education, um, urban planning, politics, um, the intersections of queerness and life. I am humbled to be here. I'm I'm really excited to to progress on the show and talk about some really interesting and deep things. Wonderful! It's going to be a beautiful day today, and uh, we're going to be start. We're going to start to brush over this canvas. We're going to start to paint. Uh, uh, let's let's get the basic shapes out. What do you guys think about that? And uh, one of the things that uh, you know fill me up is uh, actually your short. Uh, called Beauty, Christina. And uh, why don't you talk us a little bit about that? Oh, thank you, Ruggiero. What a lovely thing to say. I'm so happy it landed on you that way. Um, This film is really important to me. And one of the things that um, I'm so excited about is the opportunity to really amplify the voices of kids who have such a deep clarity about who they are and how they want to show up in the world and that they have the 100% love and support of their families to be authentic from such an early time, which, my God, if we all had that Hmm. from the moment of our birth, wouldn't the world be a different place? Hmm. Definitely, there is a lot of exploration, uh, a lot of different colors. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm wondering what led you to tell that story in that specific way? That's a really good question. Um, 
for clarity, the, the film is about five kids on the gender spectrum, from a gender non-conforming cisgender girl um, through uh, kids who identify as trans to an older youth who identifies as gender fluid. And I uh, wanted to approach this 100% from their perspective. I wanted to really have them talk about themselves rather than approach the subject, if you will, through a lens of pathologizing or analyzing or dissecting. I didn't want anything about it to detract from the humanity of the kids and the fullness of who they are. So that's why I feature their art in the film, their primary activities. One is really engaged in martial arts. One loves everything to do with space and NASA. Um, and I also don't like really to do advocacy docs because I don't like to pit people against each other. I like to bring awareness to how we can move forward together in community and in a space of love consciousness. And so all of those things came into how I approached the film. Wow, some very dense words in there. Really appreciate <laughs> that. And uh, I'm very curious to hear actually how you uh, managed to collaborate with the National Film Board and how the support brought the story to life in such a, such a, such a good way. I'm so glad you asked me that because the National Film Board is an amazing, an amazing collaborator. I, you know, I've worked with the National Film Board before and I'm just so 100% grateful for their presence, for their support, for their true engagement with filmmakers. So when I came to Shirley Vercusi, the executive producer at the uh, Western Regional Board, and apologies, I, there's other words that I should be putting in there, <laughs> but the, the office in Vancouver, um, she actually said to me, how do you feel about really approaching this as an art film um, instead of a more usual kind of documentary that has, you know, primary interviews and a bunch of verite footage? And my heart leapt up, you know, and I said, absolutely, it would be my dream to do that. So right from the very beginning, um, I had the support and the inspiration to go further. And all along, I had nothing but really constructive support and feedback um, to push the film further than I would otherwise have been able to go, I think. Constructive support. Wow, isn't that a beautiful combination of words right there? I think <laughs> all filmmakers, all storytellers out there somehow need a little bit of that, you know, especially in a world that moves so quickly, so many things are happening, we're surrounded by so much, so much information. Yet starving for knowledge, everybody, huh? Mm -hmm. It's pretty interesting. Brandon, how about you and your incredible work at Out in Schools? Yeah, so Out in Schools is a program of an organization called Out on Screen. And so Out on Screen, our mission is to illuminate, celebrate, and advance queer lives through film, education, and dialogue, which I think is just, it's, it's wonderful to say out loud um, because the words, like, illuminate. Um, the, the, the essence of film is to do that. And in a in a very real way and literally using light um, but also a way in which we can shed light onto different subjects in a way that some other art forms may not be able to mm -hmm. and so um, our organization enacts our mission through the Vancouver Queer Film Festival, which is coming up uh, August 9th through August 19th, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, through Out in School. So Out in School started way back in 2004 as a way in which we could bring um, LGBTQ plus films into schools, mostly in Vancouver at that time. And we did about 
six presentations back then, reaching a few hundred students. And this past year, we almost did 200 presentations, reaching almost 30,000 people in total from, you know, young people in grade five, all the way to educators, to university students, to to corporations who, you know, are doing their due diligence around learning about gender and sexuality. And um, we use film as a way in which to engage with the topics uh, around sexuality, gender, race, ability, class, uh, because we always start our presentation with the question, how would your story change the world? And for us, Engaging in storytelling is a very human thing to do. And I think we've sometimes lose sight of that when we try to do advocacy through statistics or data and and we forget to connect to our humanity. And so we use film as a way to kind of ground us in not only my story, but other people's stories. Uh, and beauty is a way in which I think does that beautifully around using people's stories um, in a way that is... It is just us. It's just we are we are being, um, and there's no agenda. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really really great to see a film like that. Thank you for saying that, Brandon. And you, you said something uh, very powerful that uh, that touched me. That that begins uh, with the concept of question. You know, mm-hmm. and everything, all knowing begins with a question. You know, uh, you said uh, you mentioned also the power of storytelling, and I'm wondering if there is a moment, a key moment in your lives, in which a specific story definitely transition created created mm. a transition within you or actually made a change what is that one story that created that change in yourselves we both inhaled just now <laughs> <laughs> exactly i'm like uh, i have a flood uh, uh, i just download of stuff that is rushed into my brain and yet there's one that's really closest to me i'm not sure if this is the kind of story you meant but I came out in uh, 1981, and my parents were not down with that. Um, there was a feeling in my family, well, you know, that's a polite way of putting it. They wanted me to go into reparative therapy, uh, into, into secure treatment, in fact. And I uh, left Vancouver at that time, um, partly because I just really needed to distance myself from any idea of anything like that ever being able to happen and and the reality of it, right? Before I left, I went to see a psychiatrist and a lawyer because I wanted to get myself on record um, as being in this situation where I was basically completely being harassed by my parents. And the lawyer that I went to see happened to be... um, a cousin of a lesbian comedian who was really well-known at the time called Robin Tyler. And he looked at me and he said, Christina, I want you to know that my cousin has said to me, now things have changed, our analysis has grown and developed uh, to encompass more experiences since that time, so I want to recognize that. But he said to me that queer people, he didn't say queer, he said gay and lesbian Hmm. people, amongst all the groups who undergo different kinds of oppression are the only ones who lose their families. And I understand that. I understand because I know this from my cousin's perspective, what you are going through. And that was huge for me, that somebody got it and could empathize and knew why I had to leave. And so um, perhaps it's not a story of the kind you were asking about, but that's 
the one that's most present for me now. No, no, thank you for sharing that story. I can tell to everybody who's listening out there, the energy in the room here, mm. ooh, so penetrating. Thank you for <laughs> sharing that story, you know, definitely a, a lot in there. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And I'm very curious to hear about Brandon, if you have a, a story yourself. It's hard to think and also focus on someone's, someone's story at the same time. But I think for me, one of the stories I go back to is actually um, when I was going through my second degree, my master's degree in urban studies at SFU, uh, there was a class that I was taking, I think it was around um, art in the city or something like that. And it sounds very simple, but we even just start the class wide. What is art? Mm -hmm. What is the city? How do we define these things that are in some ways very undefinable? And one of the readings that this professor had me do um, was actually a, a piece by, um, I want to get her name right, I think it's Iris Marion Young. And the book section was called The Politics of Difference. Um, and the section basically explained um, this kind of narrative in our society that if you want to be treated with dignity and respect, and if you want human rights, then you have to fit a certain mold. You have to behave a certain way. Um, we call that heteronormativity, patriarchy. We call it white supremacy. We call it all, all these things. We don't really name them um, out loud often. Um, but for me growing up um, and also even coming out and realizing I am gay, I'm queer, um, saying those words and then realizing that you're still, I was still trying to put myself in a particular mold of being gay or queer, this kind of respectability politics because um, I would go to the pride parade I would enjoy the pride parade as a young person but then I would always think like well why if we want to be treated with you know respect and we want human rights why are we you know out on this float in a speedo shaking you know our bodies at the world and I didn't really quite understand I went I enjoyed myself but I didn't understand um, and then I read this article or this section of a book and it was about you know human rights and dignity are are ours regardless of how we exp we show up mm -hmm. in the world um and it just it honestly if, if there was this like a stereotype moment of a, a film where there's a light bulb going off someone's head that was my moment um and that wasn't that long ago that was you know i did my degree um i don't know if I remember 2011 to a couple of years ago. It took me three or four years to, to get that degree done. Um, but I was an adult at that time, and I didn't really understand it. And then lots of debates in the queer community around even the fight for, we were talking about marriage earlier, um, and this there is a, a critical debate around marriage. Like, why do we want to do this thing that, you know, wasn't ours to kind of begin with, and it fits into this mold of society that we're actually not kind of cool with? You know? And wow, yeah, 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 I can see yeah. I can see some hands there. Yeah, that's that's like woohoo. And so yeah, so there's this like that was one of the that pieces of writing and I haven't actually delved deeper into this book, but that was just it was uh it was kind of like night and day for me, kind of like seeing the world in which um allowing people to be themselves matters. Uh and that's kind of what I think beauty tries to get at as well. It's um, these people exist. There's nothing wrong with them. It's the way in which the world meets them 
that is the frustrating part. Mm-hmm. It's hundred percent. Yeah, it's about 100%. connection. Do you agree with that? I do absolutely. <laughs> and if I could just respond a little bit to what you were talking about, Brandon, because it's so interesting to hear your perspective mm-hmm. in terms of respectability politics and in terms of the whole marriage debate. Because mm-hmm. in the eighties and you know beyond that into the 90s we were doing everything we could to not be respectable because we insisted on showing up on our own terms Mm -hmm. and going look dudes right (laughs) yep get used to it you know uh we have a right to be here exactly as you so eloquently described and you know there were many of us too in the 80s who were like why are we talking about marriage why do we care especially from a woman's perspective like Mm -hmm. what the fuck when has this ever been good for us (laughs) right really i mean do we really want to put energy into this sorry ruggiero it's okay no i don't think we're allowed it's okay let's just keep rolling let's keep rolling no problem it's all good yeah university radio i don't know nobody got hurt nobody got hurt it's all good respectability politics sorry everybody out in listening land if that was not okay for you um so yeah and then for me i had to come around to the position that you so eloquently um articulated from that place to include all of us who actually choose to do activities that we may think of as being Mm -hmm. more mainstream or more acceptable in a heteronormative society. Mm. And now we're in this place where all of it can be embraced. Mm -hmm. And I so appreciate that. And in fact, I got married five years ago, you know, like, thank you so much. But that was huge for me, you know. And when I did it, it wasn't even political for me, although it certainly always has that layer on Mm -hmm. it in queer consciousness. But it was also very much, this is my opportunity to be affirmed for my relationship in Mm -hmm. my community. Yeah. You know. Wow, we're diving deep into the history and the past here, and I feel I feel a lot of arts hmm. in in your history as well. So I want to ask, what's your artistic background? That's a good question. Yeah, I, yeah. I have a degree in music from UBC. Actually. Oh, there you go. Yeah, right. yeah, I have a degree in voice. So that's uh, part of my artistic background. I also did most of a degree in zoology before that and then um, resisted the family agenda to be a doctor and, and uh, decided that if I was going to be here, I was going to be doing music. So, mm-hmm. And then embarked on this journey about sort of really figuring out how am I an artist? Um, I've done some visual art and I've done quite a bit of acting and performing and worked in a publishing company in various capacities and finally sort of have slowly come around to this uh, realization that being a filmmaker really brings all of those things together Mm -hmm. um, and have really, really loved that kind of convergence of all the threads. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the great the great uh, the, the the greatest here, I believe, is that when it comes to making a movie, pulling all those aspects, getting to uh, connect with people on multiple sensor sensory levels, you know, mm-hmm. uh, gives you the chance to explore and experiment a lot. I'm wondering if there is something that you prioritized when uh, actually making beauty. Yeah, I. I think I can answer that by saying I wanted it to have a dreamlike quality. Mm. I wanted it to be something that went underneath uh, a place of ideological parsing of positions and agendas. I wanted it to be something that reached more deeply into our hearts, 
Mm. Um, and so everything that I did in making the film really uh, was informed by that central purpose. I wanted to stay out of those areas and really, um, really allow us to enter into, to be lulled into the experience mm -hmm. of the kids mm -hmm. and really uh, into accepting them on their own terms. Awesome. And it's going to be screened the 17th of August at the Vancouver Queer Film Festival, yes, right? Yes, it is. The festival actually starts on the 9th of August mm -hmm. um, and runs to the... 19th. Can someone remind me? To the 19th. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And beauty screens uh, on August 17th in the uh, Coast... The Coast is Genderqueer. Mm -hmm. the, no, wait. Is yep. that it? Yep, the that's Coast it. is Genderqueer awesome. program. Yeah. Wonderful. And Brandon, I want to ask you, mm -hmm. what about your artistic background? Oh, Lord. Um... <laughs> I just had flashbacks of the, the drawings my grandmother kept of mm. a fruit bowl that I have somewhere at home. Um, but um, I don't know. I've been interested in art in many different ways. Um, uh, I think I'm all over the place, so I haven't really dedicated my life to certain things. I've tried playing the piano very badly. Um, I, I like visual art, but for me... Um, in many ways, I, I sometimes don't consider myself artistic in, in, a, in a way that seems like similar to, I don't know, filmmaking or whatever. But I, I, I like kind of the curation of it, um, which is what we kind of do it out in schools, right? So um, we are in charge of curating art mm -hmm. in many ways for, for audiences, um, for young people, for adults. And we curate them in a way in which I hope gives them the breadth and also depth of our, our LGBTQ plus communities. Mm -hmm. um, and so in many ways, I, I have an eye for it, but I don't necessarily create in the same way that maybe Christina does. But um, yeah. Awesome. Very interesting. And uh, I'd love to hear more about the challenges of mm -hmm. uh, on screens and out in schools right after the break. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, hop onto the soundtrack of from Queen it's uh, actually Don't Stop Me Now I don't know if you have any memory I, I, the, I mean the, um, the the pathos and the energy that comes from the Queen is just incredible so mm -hmm. everybody enjoy and I'll reach you right after the break tonight I'm gonna have myself a real good time I feel alive I am a 
Welcome back, everybody. This is a Room Tone. We talk movies because we love it. And here we are, just uh, following the soundtrack uh, coming from, of course, the magical, the phenomenal Queen. Don't stop me now. Let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Brendan, let me ask you, how about the challenges, mm-hmm. uh, you know, of your program of out in schools and out on screens? How about those challenges? Yeah. I mean, for out in schools... Uh, like most nonprofits, our main challenge is money. Um, and this isn't necessarily a pitch for, for money, but it is. Um, we are a community-based nonprofit. And I, I reiterate the community-based because a, a lot of our funding, if not the majority, comes from individual donations. So we are basically supported by lots of folks in our community who either went through school or had uh, children in school and didn't have the best experience and really wanted to ensure that there was a program that exists to to change that. And um, we're one of the few programs in BC, if not the one of the only programs in BC that travel across the province to deliver kind of this um, this awareness around LGBTQ plus lived experience. And I know uh, we sometimes position our program as an anti-bullying program um, and anti-violence program, but in many ways... Um, sometimes even the word bullying doesn't come up because we're really just engaged in talking about experience. Um, and what we try to do is get to the heart of why we why we pick up on difference. Um, and a lot of it has to do with just the way in pe- people experience themselves. And we can go into that later. But um, I would say funding is a, is a big challenge. And the way we kind of get around that or try to is we try to you know work with government and we try to work with corporate partners um and we we use the film festival the vancouver queer film festival is a huge support to the out in schools program Mm. um, because you have a community of of folks who love film and want to share that gift with young people in schools and as a festival uh our program happens in august when school is not in session and so we don't have the benefit of other festivals like the vancouver international film festival or doxa to offer student programming. I see. And uh, so that was one way in which we kind of got around that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then these days, the rhetoric and there's so much debate around gender expression, trans rights. And in, in many ways, when I was growing up watching people debate 
you know, what seems to be very simple things now about being gay or lesbian or bisexual to debate transness or someone's someone's rights to express themselves or to to actually embrace their full selves is in and also coming from a place of of people who have no experience of these of being trans or um you know i i watching debates on the cbc and the national post and we're debating rights as if there was two sides to it and that's not the way i approach human rights at all and a lot of those debates happening in media in the world are are trickling into schools because young people see their parents talk about things or pick up on things on social media and and have questions but don't necessarily know where to go to so again we have all this information um, and what we try to do is we try to avail ourselves to answering questions honestly and openly and mm. so um, I just love being able to answer someone's question uh, regardless of the intent if it was you know meant to harm someone or if it was meant to just in general curiosity I feel you right there we're afraid in many ways a lot of young people are afraid to ask questions because they want to do the right thing um, and don't want to use the wrong language they want to offend anyone they don't want to you know ask a question in front of a group of people and so we try to be very non-judgmental about mm-hmm. that and offer um, a space in which we can answer those questions without um, punishing someone for asking the question. I feel you right there. That's a, that's a really good point, you know. Um, in my mind, something that bounces back is, is also a quote that goes, intention is irrelevant and perception is reality. Mm-hmm. And I think that sometimes that's where, that's where communication starts to mm-hmm. find its, you know, its, its weakest link. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, though, what is the one thing that you love the most mm-hmm. about what you do? Oh, there's so many things. Um, when I first started out without in schools, so I was like, "Great! I love working with young people. I love being queer. Um, <laughs> it's a I get paid to be, you know, yeah. queer at at work and to be my full self." And I was like, "Okay, well, I'm going to do this work, and I'm going to go into schools and learn some things." But um, it's those moments, either during a presentation or after a presentation, when you see someone who just really needed really needed to see something or hear something and they they click or they connect in a way that schools don't always provide that for young people um and i always remember <laughs> just try tr- try not to cry while i tell the story because I, I i love crying and <laughs> it's i remember going up to a a, a rural community and uh, i think it was gold trail and we did our thing and you know to that point it was like just doing my work it was a job and this young person comes up and just wanted to say thank you but didn't want to leave they just kept saying thank you and that's what's really lovely about this work is um, not doing it for you know the social credit the you know the pats on the back of doing something that seems worthwhile but legitimately providing a service for people or not even a service that that sounds too commodification-y but an experience in which they just really needed it's almost like they were just waiting to inhale but couldn't um it feels like you're trying to tell the right story to the right person at the right time it's a great combination yeah 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 yeah. very interesting i'm very curious to ask uh, christina if there is something that you personally there's something you loved 
the thing that you love the most about your journey and your process of crafting uh, your short film beauty Thanks, Ruggiero. You know, I, I just want to say, if you will, before I go there, because mm -hmm. it's just so wonderful to hear you talk about what you just described, Brandon, and, and I so resonate with what you're talking mm -hmm. about, that part of the wonderful journey of my film happens when it's complete and mm -hmm. I am able to screen it with its intended audience. And I've had some similar experiences already, even though the film is just beginning its its festival run. Mm -hmm. um, it's in, I think, 12 so far, which I'm so grateful to Amazing. be able to say. Yeah. Um, but I had a, a particularly poignant experience in Quebec at the Regard Festival in Chicoutimi when two kids came up to me after the film one of them just absolutely a puddle of tears <laughs> and the other looking similarly moved but a little more contained and they each in their own way said to me actually one stepped forward first and said I I I now have a way to talk about myself oh wow and I didn't have that before I didn't know what I was feeling mm -hmm. or how to communicate it and now I know and I can start to do that for myself and then and then she just clung to me and it was so beautiful and it had it was one of those moments of this is why we're here through all the process that can get <laughs> super gritty and super logistic um you know and challenging of filmmaking and getting people to the right place at the right time and asking people if you can do things and building rapport and getting the right gear and all of that this is where it comes home is when you're, you can really deeply reconnect to the original mission of what it is you're doing, right? And that 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 invisible that invisible being, you know, you just you can just feel it. That's what makes us visible in the end. That's what makes us here, willing to tell those stories to make it happen. And uh, following that, I want to ask you, where do you see yourselves in five years from now? <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> that's a question right there. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, this will cross my work other life boundary, um, but I am running for city council. So maybe I'm running again, uh, regardless of how the outcome of this election comes from. But it's one of those things where um, regardless of where I am and I, I don't know where I again, I, I sometimes say I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Mm -hmm. I'm 32 um, and I know that I, I love my my work right now and I want to continue to provide or to do to do work that has meaning to me and also um, supports you know other things I am a child that grew up on the optimism and altruism of Star Trek um, mm. that's my guiding philosophy in life is that there's there will be one day when we don't have <laughs> poverty and we don't have homelessness and we don't have money and we don't you know mm -hmm. when all our basic needs needs are met and we can go explore and be people um, Mm. <laughs> you know, can I come? Yeah, can I, you, can I be there too? You can be there. Come say, ears open, ears open. <laughs> if that's another planet, just let me know. <laughs> How do I get yeah. a ticket? Uh, I'm exposing <laughs> yeah. so much of my nerdiness right now. Um, yeah, it. I don't know. I don't know what I, I'm going to be doing in five years. I really don't. But mm -hmm. how about you? Well, thanks for handing off. You know, God, <laughs> how do I answer that question? Um, um, I, in the last eight 
nine months now, I I have taken a new position, which takes me out of freelance world and embeds me in community in a different way that is very satisfying, very intense, I have to say, and also very satisfying for me. Uh, I've taken a position working with TELUS um, to develop, to help develop their TELUS original stream of programming, which means that I'm in a position to really be part of a team that is very actively supporting local production Mm. and very actively supporting systemically marginalized voices, women-led programs, LGBTQIA plus content. Mm. um, That's really uh, supporting the creation of visionary worlds and landscapes that we all want to move towards, Brandon, to your point. So I'm super engaged with that now and I'm, I'm really loving this opportunity to to give into community in a different way and uh, never imagined it would be with uh, you know Megacorp you know but <laughs> here I am and, it, and what an amazing thing to find a space to be totally in alignment within that structure so and in terms of uh, as a filmmaker and also uh, as a meditation teacher, I hope mm. to be teaching meditation more frequently and finding more time for that because it's something that is really dear to me and has made such a difference in my life as a filmmaker. Um, my cadence is fairly slow. My percolation time is is fairly long. And I'm feeling that having made this film that has quite a few drama style setups in it and my background actually from way back in 96 is in long form drama um, and I retired from the union as a art director so mm-hmm. I have that sort of feeling within me still I think that I would love to have a go at really um, doing a, a advancing this genre hybrid thing that I've began to explore and and moving uh, incorporating more of a drama style filmmaking mm-hmm. um, into that I'm super excited about that awesome okay that sounds like a plan right there all right <laughs> Woo-hoo. well uh, there's definitely a lot of uh, uh, I can see this the sparks in your eyes when when the both of you talk you know and I think that's something we have to remind ourselves of, you know, that that inner child that we have to keep <laughs> alive, you know, that's what keeps us alive. Hundred you know I mean? percent. My yeah. inner child is constant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we have to we have to nurture, you know, especially especially in these times. Yeah. Yes. Where we're being told how to behave, what to do, you know, how mm. to feel, and it becomes very very tough, you know, because the st- standardization stands on the other side of human nature, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have to remind ourselves that we're human, not robots. And yeah. uh, uh, but uh, there is also the beautiful contrast and the duality in filmmaking itself of the squares and the logistics and the circles, you know, the creative aspect of it and I think that this balance is present everywhere this duality is present everywhere even in a human being Mm -hmm. and that's something I really I'm really curious to know from both of you where do you find that balance (laughs) there is a where do you find that that balance between that duality that's such an amazing question. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I, um, you want to go first? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow, I love it. <laughs> Dive into it. Um, you know, finding balance in, I guess, uh, when it comes to, to out in schools, I guess, the work that I do there, um, it is in some practical aspects of trying to fit in a lot of information. Um, some of those statistics and some of those things that are, are relevant and tell a, a certain kind of story and then also balancing you know um art the short films that we show that um 
you know, show different perspectives or different stories we're not often seen are not that are not often seen mm-hmm. in kind of the mainstream quote unquote mainstream media, um, but also offer a, again another balance between dramatic, um, sometimes sad, but also happy and hopeful, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's just a movie that there is no like morals to it in many ways. It's just it's just two young people who want to date each other and mm-hmm. um and the journey in between mm-hmm. um you know there might not be a happy ending there might be a happy ending mm-hmm. but it's those stories are important too when it's you know mm-hmm. um trying to find and again trying to balance all those things that as a program there's so much expectation on a program like ours about what we should be doing and how we should be doing it and and also meeting the young people where they're at because i think you know 10 years ago we were it was what I would consider very basic. Mm. We were like, don't say gay in a negative way. Mm. Um, and now we're, we're talking about the complexities of gender expression and the ways in which um, all of us suffer from these expectations of who we should be from the second that we're born. Uh, you know, like even when people name you, there's an expectation of certain behaviors mm. and certain ways in which your body should show up in the world um you know i go to shoppers drug mart and there's products that are marketed towards men and women and they're the same thing you know i still buy the gray shampoo bottle even though no chemically it's the same as the one that's in the pink bottle thank you for saying that brendan that really reconnects to a really strong uh, (laughs) yeah 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 no it's true you know it's uh, what do you think about that christina (laughs) everything and this is me not swearing on air again (laughs) everything is gendered Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this really weird entrenched polarization that we don't even really register anymore consciously Mm -hmm. because it's so pervasive and and yeah i buy uh i now shave you know didn't used Mm -hmm. to i buy men's razors right Mm -hmm. they're better Mm -hmm. they're cheaper you know Mm -hmm. like whatever it's a very odd overlay on our consciousness that that is I would use the word onslaught it's a continual onslaught it's a continual policing Mm -hmm. it's a continual disciplining it's a continual message of color between the lines if you want to get anywhere Mm -hmm. right Um, that is again so pervasive that we don't even see it I think Mm -hmm. when we're talking about issues of full humanity it's not even something that really gets addressed a whole lot yeah yeah it's definitely uh, definitely resonates you know seems to be I would say I would call it labeling there's a lot of labeling and that really makes everything so superficial we need to dive deeper we need to dive deeper always deeper and deeper but uh, let's take a little break and then we wrap this whole burrito up right after the break (laughs) Uh, and of course uh, with the queen we have to play this one this is uh, everybody knows this sing along this is a crazy little thing called love Shake some all over like a jelly 
Come back, everybody. Here we are again with Christina Willings and Brendan Yan. Let's uh, get ready to wrap this episode up. And let me ask uh, Christina, uh, what do you think about that, that balance that we were talking about earlier, the balancing that duality? Well, when you first asked that question, you were talking, it seemed to me, or landed on me that in terms of... Um, Finding the balance between sort of the heart of a project, the, if you will, the mission of a project, the initial sort of impetus for creating it, and having to get through all of the logistic left brain kind of business around launching it into the world, creating it, and then launching it into the world. And it's, you know, it's kind of you, one could talk about it as a left brain, right brain thing. One could talk about it as a yin and yang kind of thing. Um, you could talk about it in Jungian terms. All of those so apply. And for me, um, I, I really think that the unseen, the yin, the deep, the internal comes first. So the deeper my connection is to myself, the clearer I can be in navigating all of that logistical business, which I don't necessarily enjoy, mm. with passion and in my full humanity so that I treat people well along the journey of the process, right? And so for me, that's how I approach healing those kinds of dualities because honestly, I think that duality, we it's a convenient construct to use to talk about different kinds of activities or different kinds of views on the world. But really, I think I'm very focused on healing that duality so it no longer exists, mm -hmm. so that all the parts of me are working in concert, right? Very interesting. It's almost like you introduced the concept not only of horizontal duality, but vertical duality as well. And that's where we really achieve uh, the, 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 the true balance. That's wonderful. And actually, right now, we gotta, woo, we got to speed it up a little bit and get mm -hmm. that uh, one-minute uh, Proust questionnaire going on. Thank you for that answer. Wonderful answer right there, Christina. And I want to ask you, who's going to start? Who wants to begin with the one-minute pitch. Brandon, are you ready? Uh, as I ever will be. Yeah, Brandon is ready. All right. <laughs> I'm going to start that clock right now. Let's give it a shot. So I'm just going to talk. Okay. Uh, so uh, one thing I'm really excited about, and it's festival related, is um, there's a program that I had the honor of working on. It was called Troublemakers. And it's our third year. So it's Troublemakers 3.0. And so Troublemakers started from the need for a uh, us to document our LGBTQ plus history and our elders, um, because as folks, um, we talk about uh, chosen family, and so we don't often have these stories passed down through through family members that we're close to, because oftentimes our families disown us. Um, and so um, it's playing August 13th, and so what it is essentially is a program where we pair 10 elders with 10 
youth, and the youth learn how to make films, and they make a film about their elder partner or partners. Um, and uh, it's really amazing and sweet, and you should all come August 13th, 7 p.m., VancouverQueerFilmFestival.com. Buy tickets. <laughs> awesome. There you go. And all right. The clock has found uh, the end. But now it's time for Christina's speech. Are you ready? We're going to reset that clock right now. You ready? Uh, yeah. All right. It's it. going. Yeah, I'll make it up as I go along. Mm-hmm. All right. So firstly, um, come and see my film, Beauty in the Coast is Gender Queer program at the Vancouver Queer Film Festival on August 17th. Um, something that I'd like to say about it here that I haven't said before is that it's very important in my view, and I know in all of our view, to not conflate um, gender identity with sexual orientation. And the film film really doesn't do that. And it's also not bound in terms of uh, any ideas of one's uh, physiology um, confining one's gender, one's deeply held sense of one's gender. It does talk about dating because that comes into the show quite naturally, but it covers all of that stuff. I think, I hope, I I don't know, come, I look forward to talking to you about it. Tell Mm -hmm. me what you think. And um, Tune in to TELUS Optic, Channel 707, for a lot of queer content. You'll be surprised. <laughs> I think pleasantly, we've got a show called Butch. There's one coming out about trans history called Safety in Numbers. We've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. Awesome. Right on. That's perfectly on time. And uh, now, think, amazing pitches right there. Beautiful content, uh, really laid out pretty well. And now it's time to go to the Proust questionnaire. So we can really wrap this whole burrito up and bring it home and eat it and enjoy it. And first question of the Proust questionnaire, are you all ready? Sure. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what okay, is, whatever. Here, here. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Oh. Wow. Mm-hmm. Take your time, but not too much, huh? All right. All right. My idea of perfect happiness is being fully in balance in my humanity, in my physicality, and in my spirit. Having a way to express creatively that is free, that feels really fulfilling. Um, Being in a beautiful, nurturing, visually nurturing environment. And being with my lovely wife, Julie Butler, and our beautiful community of friends who mm. we love deeply. Awesome. Brennan. <laughs> um, I would, I, like, I have a moment in my head where it would be somewhere, it would be in Vancouver, uh, but it would be, like, somewhere, like, a cross between Tokyo and Paris where I'm sitting on a terrace with my dog and oh. my partner, Sam, and I'm having uh, a coffee and just watching um thinking about you know you know the people going by making sure you know like it's just one of those moments where like i have everything kind of what i need coffee Mm -hmm. my boyfriend my dog Mm -hmm. um a vibrant lovely city like i that's what I kind of like envision yeah. as happiness. The simple things. Yeah. That's, it's always in the Beautiful. simple things. Beautiful. Can yeah, I add yeah, Tokyo yeah. and Paris into oh, my answer? Yeah, to all right, all right, I really right. like that <laughs> a lot. And, you know, yeah, an external terrace with really awesome coffee. Yeah. I, yeah. It's there. I needed, <laughs> I needed more details in mine, I think. <laughs> there you go. Right on. <laughs> Woohoo. Second question of the Proust questionnaire. Let's go. we got to speed it up right here. Which talent would you most like to have? Oh, Brandon, you go first. Okay. Um, I would like to. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> I would love the talent of like visual art to draw or paint um, in a way that I feel I won't like I I can see how I want to do it but I don't have the skill yet and it's something I want to kind of connect with and I've been putting it off for a long time because they're easy things to put off 
Mm-hmm. Christina, want to give it a shot right there? Well, mine is, is connected to that. I do draw, and I, but I want more time to really delve into it because I feel similarly. Sometimes I have something in my head, but I'm kind of it's difficult to to make that come out in paper the mm-hmm. way I want it to. So, mm-hmm. I want I want more time to develop that talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. Okay, third question. In one word, what is your most marked characteristic? All right, look at that silence right there. <laughs> I'm just going to go with one that might be overused, but I think is accurate, and it's empathy. Mm. Okay, right on. Christina? Wow, well, um, boy, I want to say empathy. I am very empathetic. But I think the people who know me would say that they find me very cerebral. Mm. And I've worked to come back from that place uh, because it uh, ultimately I found it really confining. But I'm very, I can be very cerebral. I really get mm-hmm. into that. Nice. that right on. Parsing ideas. Okay. Fourth question of the Proust questionnaire. What is your greatest regret? Oh, Lord. If you, um, feel, if you feel talking about it, of course. I, I, wow, I had no idea this would be how I would answer that question. But uh, hmm. I'm an immigrant. I came from the UK when I was uh, just about seven years old. And I've been back. I went back and did school there, etc. My greatest regret, I think I would say, is not spending time with my relatives, some of whom I uh, passed recently, and not having time to really know and love them more deeply because I've had information about who they are since their passing that just makes me feel like, Oh my God, I would have loved to have spent time with you. Mm, I see. Wow. It's almost the same. Um, as a, someone who is half Chinese, half white people, um, connecting with my Chinese culture has been difficult as an older person, mm. learning the language, asking questions when I was younger. Yeah, connecting with my dad in that way that I kind of waited till now to do. Um, so, yeah, waiting is kind of a regret. Thank you for sharing that, you know. Regret is passion yet to be transformed. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, and that leads us to the fifth. Oh, you want to you add something? Uh, just that I also assumed that they wouldn't love me and accept me because yeah. I'm a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I realized too late that that wasn't true. Mm. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Wow, and uh, that leads us to the fifth question of the Proust questionnaire. And that is, uh, what is your motto? Hey, there you go. My motto, I would have to say, is inside out. Oh. From let the inside lead me, let the deep connection to self and to spirit guide me uh, as I navigate the world and express in the world. Wonderful. Brendan? Oh, no. Um, (laughs) Honestly, the first thing that came to my mind... is Star Trek. <laughs> oh, you are so yeah, cute, yeah, yeah, Brandon. Yeah, yeah. It's like, that, it's like literally to boldly go. Like, that's what came into my mind. Mm-hmm. And I like go. to boldly go. Awesome. I'm just going to go with that because that's the first thing. Sounds great. Woohoo! Before we wrap this whole thing up, any shout outs? Oh, <laughs> man. Shout so outs. Yeah, so many. National Film Board of Canada, yeah. uh, Pacific and Yukon Regional Office, mm. uh, the National Film Board of Canada, Alberta Office, who I also have done a film with. Um, boy, my lovely wife, Julie Butler, uh, Training and Power Academy of Meditation. Um, 
What else? So many. Brandon, you go. Um, you know, uh, Out on Screen's lovely donors, our sponsors, our partners. I can't name them because I spend the money. I don't collect it. Sorry. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, in my life, my partner, Sam, my dogs, my family, my dad, um, all those folks out there on the internet who some for some reason find something in me to support. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, Christina, Vancouver, got something to say again? Vancouver Queer Film oh, yeah, Festival, I guess August yeah. 9th to August 19th. <laughs> Beauty screens on August 17th in The Coast is Genderqueer. See ya. All right. See you, everybody. Of course, uh, this is Queen. We wrap it up because we storytellers, we are the champions. <laughs> I paid my dues time after time. I've done my sentence But committed no crime And bad mistakes I've made a few